you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Monday edition of Move the Sticks. I'm Rhett Lewis here with our former NFL scouts, lead draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks. And guys, we love winners. And we now have a winner with all 32 teams. Here we Thanks go. Thanks to our last season's recurring guest on Path to the Draft, Amonra St. Brown, yeah. getting the Detroit Lions their first win. We'll get into that here for you on this edition of Move the Sticks. Uh, but, guys, what do you say we begin with our big three? Let's do it. Let's go. As we all do every Monday. Let's start here with the Ravens and the Steelers. This was a 10-3 ball game entering the fourth quarter. Then we saw a combined 26 points scored in the final 14 minutes by both teams including a clutch TD drive and two-point conversion to take the lead for Pittsburgh. And then the Ravens get all the way back down, get the touchdown, but not the two-point for the win. John Harbaugh now on that decision. Tried to win the game right there. We were pretty much out of corners you know, at that point in time, so it was an opportunity to try to win the game right there. Is that exactly what you want from that play, John, just not executing? Uh, Andrew Hall. Oh, you saw the play. I mean, it's that close. You know, game benches. Yeah, look, I think you understand John Harbaugh's rationale there. You're short on bodies there. You want an opportunity to go win the game and not have to take this thing into overtime. I think we get it. Marlon, hum or Marlon Humphrey, we're finding out from Ian Rappaport, our NFL Network insider, likely torn peck, which would put him out for the mm. rest of the season. This for a team who's already been without Marcus Peters uh, the entire way. Uh, DJ, what do you think of the decision to go for two there? Well, not knowing the injury situation at the time, my thought was, okay, I don't, I don't love this decision because I feel like Baltimore has a better team. If I have the better team, I'm okay extending the game. Um, but when you find out they're down on corners, I, I totally get what John Harbaugh is saying there. So uh, I, I like the aggressiveness in that situation. And he mentioned Al Pacino game of inches there. <laughs> Look, that I love speech. It. Come on, let's there, go. There you go. That's a great example of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this kind of fits their calling card. This is what they do. They're ultra aggressive. They go for it on fourth down. They're not afraid to go for it on two point situations. And so it's a matter of. They just didn't execute the play. The pressure T.J. Watt made Lamar Jackson kind of throw it sideways, so it wasn't complete. And it's one of those things where you live with it. And they obviously are comfortable living with these situations. I want to touch there on that T.J. Watt situation because that wasn't the only time that he was completely unblocked on a crucial play in this game. You want to go back to the first quarter, in fact, the red zone interception for Lamar. I mean, he's just... You're just leaving one of the best players in all of football wide open, and then Lamar kind of drifts right into him there and then throws the interception on a crucial red zone opportunity. Essentially the same thing happens here on the two-point conversion. I mean, T.J. Watt's selling out. Credit to him for putting that pressure on. I think Lamar did a great job actually getting the ball out of his hands there, uh, but that forced the incompletion in the game. I, look, I, I'm not pretending to know everything that went into those play calls and protections that let T.J. Watt uh, free there, D.J., but look, for a guy who's got 16 sacks this year, I'd want to account for him. Yeah, you know, you always hear in pass protection, right, big on big. We want If we're going to cut somebody loose, let's cut the overload blitzer, that, that uh, third-level defender right. loose, and let Namar take his chances. I'm not going to cut loose 
the best pass rusher in the NFL right now. So they did that a couple times. But I'm telling you, you watch this game. It wasn't just those plays. Even when they were dedicating multiple bodies to T.J. Watt, he found a way to have an impact. He's got the unique combination of all the athletic skills. You talk about the burst, the bend, the power, uh, all those things. But to me, it's the instincts. The instincts that made his brother such a dominant player, he has those same football instincts. It's off the charts. Look, he is an off-the-charts player, but I want to take some of this to the Baltimore Ravens because I worry about their offense. I think we've seen the best that we're going to see from the Baltimore Ravens when it comes to their offense, the injuries and the design. I just think that not only that people have caught up to it, I don't know if they have enough firepower to really threaten people like they had in the past. And so Lamar Jackson has been up and down. It's been a bit of a roller coaster for him, not only as a passer, but also as a runner. And then I look at their backfield. They don't have a dynamic weapon in the backfield. So I just don't know. As we get down the stretch, they start playing these meaningful games. I don't know how they're going to score points because I don't know if they have any more playmakers to be able to do it. Yeah, and you look at their offense. This is not something that's new. I mean, they haven't scored 20-plus points in five of the last six games. So this is, this is something that was masked a little bit by winning. That's, sometimes yeah. you can get lulled to sleep a little bit. Yep. These problems have been there for well over a month. No, and then, I mean, this was a team that was the number one seed in the AFC. It feels unlikely at this point, based mm-hmm. on what we've seen from Lamar Jackson, probably with three of his worst games of the season on uh, the last couple of weeks, that they're not going to finish this season as the number one seed in the AFC. All right, let's move on to game number two here, and that is the Chargers and the Bengals. DJ, you were there in Cincinnati. Turnovers and explosives doomed the day for Cincinnati. Uh, started from the jump. Justin Herbert, all three of his TD passes in the first 20 minutes of the game. Third straight contest. Herbo went for 300-plus with two or more touchdowns. Chargers defense also dominating for stretches of this game. Six sacks and six points here uh, with Tavon Campbell. 41-22 the final Man, it was great to see Justin Herbert unleashing some, uh, especially there early in the first half. Yeah, I said it during the broadcast. I thought this was kind of like attack mode for Justin Herbert and for this Chargers offense. It was different than what we've seen in previous weeks. And I tried telling people, that, look, the reason why they haven't been pushing the ball vertically, it's not just the offense. They're down offensive linemen. Getting Matt Filer back in this game was big. Even with that, you have the four sacks that they take. I think the Chargers got to the point where, like, okay, we're okay with some of the negatives that might come with this, um, but the, the positives are going to far outset it. So they hit Mike Williams a bunch of deep shots down the field. Jalen Guyton finally got involved down the field. Yeah. But it was an aggressive approach. You live with some of the sacks. So just real quick, uh, going back to last year's Move the Sticks on Mondays, remember our 10 Takeaway podcast, right? Remember our cut lines. I'm just curious, Buc- uh, Bucky, how many times do you think DJ said Justin Herbert was dealing? Oh, yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure he did it a couple of times. I'm sure he did it a time. I'm sure he did it a time. Okay. Absolutely. It, but by the way, I do want to yeah. It wasn't just their offense in this one. No, got it wasn't. A lot of turnovers. Yeah. Derwin James, I thought, was the best player on the field. When you watch all the different things he does for so the Chargers good, defense, he is so explosive. Um, and then I thought Chenna Nuoso on the outside, on the opposite side of Joey Bosa, who was out early in this game, I thought Chenna had maybe his best game as a pro. Two sacks. You see the sack, force fumble, fumble recovery early in this one. Uh, he stepped up in a big way. And that's well, look, I, I, Watching it, I know you were there, but watching it, I felt like the Bengals invited the Chargers to the holiday party. And they were just giving them <laughs> gifts. They wanted to make sure that they had the gifts and everyone was happy. Four giveaways, uh, oh. three by Joe Burr, two interceptions. He had a fumble. Then Joe Mixon gave up one. And so it was just problematic. You just can't win games when you have turnovers. And the amount of turnovers and the miscues that they had in protection really allowed 
the Chargers to kind of have the game on their terms. And even though they made a furious comeback to kind of bring it close, they couldn't get over the hump because of the giveaways. And so maybe it's just holiday season. It's just- that giveaway from Jamar Chase on what would have been a yeah. touchdown oh, yeah. in the first Look half. That, ball. that is a surefire touchdown. Am I right? Yeah, it was a perfect ball, and there was tons of separation there. Everything said that was a touchdown. At worst, you're like, he drops the football. Actually, it was worse <laughs> no, than the worst. No, it was worse. It was worse than the interception. And then what did the Chargers do with it? Right down and score. That's a 12-point swing. So, look, this is a Bengals team, and I know we kind of talk about some of these cliches a little bit with teams that, you know, have not had a taste of winning much recently. They're still trying to figure out how to win consistently. They've won some games and some big games this year, and then they've had some clunkers, right? They went, blew out the Lions, yeah. then blew out the Ravens, then lost to the Jets, really right? Crazy. And then, you know, they come out of the bye. They win two in a row, and now in a game against a good team in the Chargers, you know, you just absolutely fall flat. So they need to figure out how to deal with winning in addition to how to deal with adversity. You need to make sure you get Burrow's pinky right, too. I mean, you could tell. That's you, I was trouble. watching him on the side. He was, he was insane. That's a tough game. dude right there in yeah. Joe Burrow that tried to tough that out. I mean, that's... Look, I mean, I got the mallet finger over here. We got finger injuries with quarterbacks all over the place uh, going on. Hope Joe Burrow gets back and gets better uh, here real quick. Let's move on to game number three. It was a Sunday nighter in Kansas City. The Chiefs win their fifth straight game on a Sunday night over the Broncos. They do it with defense. Yes, and they had to. Patrick Mahomes threw for just 184. Passer rating of 57, which is the lowest of his esteemed career in his seventh game with a sub-90 passer rating this season. Yet with the 22-9 win, the Chiefs remain in first place in the AFC West, and they're doing it scoring less than 25 points in six straight home games. So thank goodness for their defense, DJ. Yeah, it's incredible what they're doing up front. I think Chris Jones gets a lot of attention. He's, he's their best defense player. He's phenomenal. But there's more than just Chris Jones on this front. You see Okafor show up when you're watching the tape. You see Frank Clark flashing his ability to generate pressure back there. You look at the second level. Nick Bolton's had a phenomenal rookie campaign. His name hasn't been quite mentioned with some of these other guys, but he's been outstanding. About you see Okafor right there. He's been, he's been outstanding. So this, this whole front seven is playing an extremely high level for the Chiefs. Yeah, playing at a very high level, and it's the communication skills that they're displaying that are allowing them to have success. But I think it's beyond that. I think the one thing that you look for for the Chiefs is how Andy Reid has been able to shift his mindset and go to a little more of a conservative slant. Rather than put the ball in the hands of Pat Mahomes and say, hey, go win it, they're taking it out and they're trusting their defense to be able to get it done. And over the last five games, they've been able to do so. So as this team eventually hits their stride on offense, this is a more dangerous team because defensively they can keep the store down and they don't have to play that reckless style of ball that we've seen from them for the last couple of years. Look, if you're the Denver Broncos, I think there's a lot to like with your team moving forward. You've got some young players really contributing. I mean, Javante Williams. Oh, he's I mean, stud. Right, running, running and receiving. I mean, my goodness. I mean, the most violent runner I feel like I've seen since Adrian Peterson was in his heyday. I mean, just absolutely breaks tackles. And then with Quinn Miners uh, falling all over the place, taking guys out. It, that was fun to watch. What was not so much fun to watch was the offensive aerial attack uh, with Teddy Bridgewater. It, look, it kind of feels like we might be reaching that ceiling with him as the quarterback, which makes me wonder, like, 
DJ, does it come down to quarterback play here for the Broncos, or are they offensively flawed in other areas because there seems like there's a lot of explosive players on the perimeter? Is it time to give Drew Locke a look? Well, I, I don't know that they're very confident in Drew Locke uh, up there. So if you don't have – the fact that he's not playing tells me everything. I don't think that change is coming. I think they're feeling like their formula, as we talk about kind of know your formula, it's going to be relying on that defense and, and trying not to have mistakes at the quarterback position. It's one thing when he's missing big play opportunities and you're not explosive. It's another thing yeah. when you're turning the football over. Over. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing. Uh, one of the advantages that they thought they would get with Teddy Bridgewater is they would get a better management, a better manager. So they would take care of the ball. They would give their defense a chance. He is turning it over. Uh, I don't think it's quite time for Drew Locke because I felt like if they believed in Drew Locke, he would already have the job. And so I think this is a situation where either Teddy Bridgewater plays better or they have to live with the results, and that could mean new people in place. Yeah, real quick, going back to the Chiefs, we are set up for – Two weeks from now, a Thursday night clash right across the street at SoFi with the Chargers Let's have and the Chiefs, one. and that could be all the marbles. On a Thursday night nighter? It's going to be a fun one. <laughs> Let's do it. And look, just to button up on the Kansas City Chiefs, Teddy Bridgewater was over on deep balls in this game, and that has been one of the key pieces to the, to the Chiefs' defense. They were allowing a passer rating of 39 on downfield balls since week nine. Oh. But by the way, uh, Marshawn Lynch would like a word about the most violent runner oh, yeah. thing going back to Adrian Peterson. <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. Have some Skittles. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Well, this is a tale of the eights, the sevens, and the sixes. In the AFC playoff picture, you've got the division leaders all with eight wins. You've got the three wildcard teams all with seven wins. And then you've got the teams that are in the hunt on the outside looking in right now with either six wins or six losses or both. <laughs> essentially how we separate this thing. And as we come back here on this Monday edition of Move the Sticks for our Elite Eight, Red Lewis, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks back here with you. We are talking about those teams on the outside looking in the AFC playoff picture. We'll get to the NFC here in a moment. And, Bucky, we got to start with the Indianapolis Colts who get a dub this week. Yeah, they get a dub, and they get a dub behind Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor has really helped them recreate their identity on offense. They can run the football. They can play old-school smash-mouth football and allow him to really set the table for Carson Wentz. But understand this, Carson Wentz is also playing really, really well for them. And his efficient play at quarterback, because he's supplemented by the running game, has allowed the Colts to be able to dictate the terms with the defense also playing well. Well, speaking of efficient play at quarterback, how about Tua uh, down oh, there in Miami? I, the Dolphins are definitely in this conversation. This is a team with a quarterback that's taking care of the football. He's getting the ball out of his hands quickly. RPO City. I'd say he was the best RPO quarterback I'd ever evaluated coming out of college. Yeah. He looked like a blackjack dealer. The ball just ride the back, boom, ball's he out. He was dealing. Jalen Waddle has been that guy for him. He goes back to Alabama. There's a comfort level. Not the over-the-top threat that he was yeah. in college. I don't know that they can protect long enough to get that accomplished. They've adjusted accordingly. And the other Jalen on the other side, Jalen Phillips, two more sacks. He's having a phenomenal rookie season. Javon Holland as well. It's a good rookie group. Credit to those guys. I mean, we gave them some, some you know, critique early in the season for the way those guys – but it, they've kind of come along here now. I'm going to move on to the Denver Broncos, who are on the outside looking in uh, right now, 12th seed in the AFC uh, after this loss to the Chiefs. 
Look, if we can find a way to get, like, Quinn Miners more involved, I, I don't know, maybe we'd, we'd see some more wins pile up the way that he's piling up bodies uh, when he's out there in the run game just mashing dudes. Uh, look, but right now they got to find a way to be more explosive on offense if they want to find themselves in the playoff picture when it's all said and done. What you got, Buck? Look, I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Raiders are a team that can get into the mix, but they have to play better, and a lot of it depends on Derek Carr. Which Derek Carr shows up on a weekly basis often determines whether the Raiders win or lose. When good Derek Carr shows up, they win games. They can throw it all over the yard. They can score points. When bad Derek Carr shows up, they're going to take L's because the turnovers, the inconsistency, the lack of accuracy hurts them and prevents them from staying in the mix when it comes to these tough games. Oh, Buck, this is the type of the, pro- this is oh, the program where I've got to talk oh, about the Brownies. Okay. I, I, I famously, a month or so ago, went oh, you and pushed all them. my chips in there into the on the Browns, talked yeah. about how yeah. talented this team was, yeah. and they've done nothing but punch me in the stomach. Yeah. Uh, but right now, this is a big one. They're coming off a bye. You get the Baltimore Ravens. This is a Ravens team now going to be without Marlon Humphrey. You don't have Marcus Peters. No, Elliott. Their whole backfield is just in shambles. Baker Mayfield, this is your game. This is the Baker game. You've got a chance to rest, get this body as healthy as it can be. This needs to be his kind of breakout game to get me out of this funk that I'm in for having backed this football team over a month ago. So we got Batonio and Teller paid. Does this game get Baker paid? Is this the one that's going to do it? Maybe this is the Baker game. I would sure like it because that has been major egg on my face. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Uh, All right, let's move on to the NFC where, look, the, the, the team's at the top of the conference have a bit more separation, right? You've got the team with the best record in the NFL, There's Cardinals. nines and tens. Yeah, these are the nines and tens, okay? And then you got the fives uh, over there <laughs> in, the, in the hunt category with the Eagles, the Vikings, the Panthers, Falcons, and Saints all still in the hunt. And, guys, I'm going to start with the Minnesota Vikings, who, of course, come off the heartbreaking loss to the Detroit Lions. Here's the deal. They're running out of blood pressure medication at pharmacies across the Twin Twin Cities. They have played 11 of their 12 games, have been one-score games. Their seven losses have come by a combined total of 28 points, an average margin of defeat, four points. That is the lowest in football. That means this team has an opportunity. Just capitalize on those opportunities, more so than we've seen in these first 12 games. And this team could be in the mix. It's a talented team. Dalvin Cook back. Uh, Adam Thielen's now got a high ankle sprain, so hopefully you get him back here in a couple of weeks. But this is a talented team. they got to be better. Yeah, very talented team. They need to make sure they get back to running the football. I'll talk about a team that is not as talented as Minnesota Vikings, but they have a chance. How about the Atlanta Falcons? The Atlanta Falcons have a chance because you have Matt Ryan, a uh, former MVP candidate. But then this guy, Cordero Patterson, has emerged as the do it all playmaker for them on offense. He can run it. He can catch it. Put him in the kicking game. He can make it happen. As he goes, so goes the Falcons. They need him to be a major factor. And if he is, they have a chance. What a what a league that that Falcons team is in the conversation for the postseason. <laughs> oh, yeah. The dirty They've looked inept on offense it's the last couple of weeks. They're yeah. still, they're still oh, all right, in Jamal it. Anderson, let's oh, go. go. I, look, I'm going to go to a different bird I think has a better shot, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles, largely because of the division that they're in. And I think they do have some identity. I think also you need to realize sometimes you trade a player, not because you're necessarily down on a player like Zach Ertz, but because you want to create more opportunity for someone at the same position. And Dallas Goddard Mm. has run with it. He has got a chance to be really one of the two or three best tight ends in the NFL. He's a complete Y. He can block in the run game. You can see what he does after the catch. He can high point the football, big catch radius. Big game for him against the Jets. Uh, I think he's going to be big for them coming down the stretch. Now, who's playing quarterback? 
That's going to be an interesting conversation. Gardner Minshew. Minshew mania. Perfect passer rating in the first half. <laughs> By Donald the way, Scott, a big part of that. My dad and I have a great relationship. But right. apparently it's not as good as I thought because oh. I've never had that embrace. You've never had like that kind that of embrace? That no. Gardner had. I, I, gosh, I'm not sure I have either. Man, that was, I mean, that was, was special. I love, love seeing guys enjoy the moment, yeah. right, and enjoy, oh. like, the fact that this is a game. And we all love playing it. We love watching it. We love talking about it. Good for you, Gardner Minshew and the Philadelphia Eagles. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Oh, man, what a six-game stretch it's been for Mac Jones in the Patriots. All wins, of course, and when you compare Mac to his counterpart tonight on Monday Night Football as the Patriots travel to Orchard Park to take on the Bills, man, Josh Allen and the Bills have had some inconsistencies here. All the while, Mac Jones gaining steam, nine touchdowns, just two interceptions. In that span, Josh Allen has thrown four times as many interceptions and going up against Mr. Interception, J.C. Jackson on the other side for Josh Allen and a really good Patriots defense. DJ, this is a big game for Josh Allen. It's a huge game for Josh Allen. Fortunately for Josh, I think he's got some confidence against Bill Belichick that not many young quarterbacks have because point. of the success they yeah. had last year. And it was full attack mode with Brian Dayball. They were aggressive, especially in that second meeting last year. I think you see them kind of empty the chamber in this one. You're going to see Josh Allen involved in the running game, I believe, in this. When he sees opportunities, he's going to be aggressive. It just feels to me like this is kind of a push-all-your-chips-in type moment for Josh Allen. I expect him to play very well tonight. Yeah, no, I think the Buffalo Bills have to go all in. They have to put it all on number 17 shoulders because he is their primary playmaker. But hold on. MJ10 may have something to say about that. Let's go. I mean, Talk I can't about do it, Bucky. Fool. Let's go, I can't baby. Walk Here out we like go. He walked out on draft night, but I feel like Mac Jones has enough swagger to take and embrace this moment, and this may be the opportunity for the – New England Patriots to flip the script. We've seen it. We always talk about their game plans, where they operate like this, a snowflake. So they've been run, 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 run during the six-game streak. This might be the night that they unleash Mac Jones and let him throw it all over the yard, spread and shred. You don't have Tredavious White. Maybe, just maybe, we get a chance to appreciate what MJ10 has been able to do. Okay, a little, maybe a little Nelson Aguilar, a little, yeah. Born, a little Jacoby Myers, <laughs> fire up the tight ends a little bit. Yeah. Let's start pushing it down. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, sign me up for this game. Let's go. We're fired up. Uh, look, I think the one thing that I'm interested in for the Bills offense, Dawson Knox and his yep. availability mm-hmm. tonight with that uh, f- for, against the Patriots defense, and then which run game really shows up if the weather becomes an issue. There is some weather concerns there on uh, Orchard Park, New York. Uh, the run game, like I think you trust the run game of the Patriots Patriots a bit more. It's kind of been a mixed bag for the Bills. Don't know who you're going to get. We had Zach Moss as the healthy scratch. Matt Breida has been coming on a little bit lately. But, man, I mean, the Patriots are as consistent as it comes with run games. Speaking of trust, though, which one of these defenses do you trust the most in this game, DJ? Well, I think the obvious one is you you kind of look at the Patriots yeah. the way that they've played. I, I expect the Bills to play well in this game. I, I think they do. I think you've got veteran safeties. I think they're going to do a nice job trying to get inside the head of, of Mac Jones. And I think when you think about Mac, when you're scouting for teams in, in kind of these cold weather cities, a lot of times you want a big physical quarterback as the weather starts to change, start getting a lot of wind, all those things. Think about the, the guys that have had success in those environments. Yeah. 
that's not really who he is. So I'm anxious to see can they really push the ball vertically down the field if we get some weather in this game tonight? No, this would be a, a, a good one to look at, especially if you love defensive football because the Buffalo Bills, you talk about it, they're number one in yards allowed, but then the New England Patriots are number one in points allowed. And the defense are contrasting styles. I worry about the Buffalo Bills without Davis White. Can they play some of the man coverage that they've been matching up with? But the Patriots, they're just going to do what they do. Now, last time they tried to play a lot of zone, Josh Allen ate them up. I think they go back to their customary man-to-man coverage, lock mm-hmm. them up. They don't blitz much anyway. Keep someone spying on Josh Allen and see if he can make tight window throws. That is how they've typically done. That's how they operated throughout yeah. the streak. I think we may see that all over again. J.C. Jackson, Stephon Diggs. Ooh, that'd be good. Good matchup, that'd right? Good when matchup. targeting J.C. Jackson, opposing quarterbacks, passer rating sub 40. Mm. Watch out for that one uh, if you're Josh Allen here. Yeah. Look at the quarterbacks they've played. That's also true. Hey. Uh, speaking hey. of quarterbacks, uh, can you guys just pencil me in for an A for Mac Jones tomorrow? Uh, I mean, like, yeah, sure. Okay, because it's time for the rep- rookie the report card, DJ. What do you got for Zach Wilson? Uh, Zach Wilson, uh, there was some encouragement here. There was progress. I saw improvement. To me, I thought this, things started to slow down. His feet were a lot more quiet than they've been. It wasn't quite as busy. Now, there's still a couple layups. He missed one down there in the red zone. You see this forced interception. But I thought, on the whole, the ball placement was pretty Pretty good. If he'd have been helped out with a couple drops on 50-50 balls, uh, his stat line would have looked much better. They've got issues on the other side of the ball. What's that word at the bottom there, that first note? Uh, Yeah, he gives them hope. There's hope if you're a Jets fan. I know a lot of Jets fans don't want to hear this, but there is hope. When you watch this game and see the trend line, it's going in the right direction. Okay, Bucky. Sorry about this, but uh, on the other side of the spectrum. Well, look, on the other side of the spectrum, I'm going to do this for Trevor Lawrence. I did this in college a couple times. I'm going to say withdraw. Like, I think he should just withdraw and drop a class because otherwise (laughs) he's going to get a D. I think somehow he needs to go and see if he can petition to withdraw from the situation right now because it hasn't gone well for him. He needs help on the outside. And when he doesn't get that help, I'm looking at him. He has to be better with the decision-making and the accuracy. But it's really, really hard on him. I don't think he has the structure around him to fully maximize his potential. And as a result... He's floundering in the class. Because like I, I remember my freshman year going into my advisor and saying, I think I need to drop this music appreciation class. She goes, okay, well, what's the reason? Well, I've never been. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's probably why I should drop it. Well, yeah. uh, reports out of Jacksonville suggest that uh, Trevor is showing up to class. Uh, but, yeah, it's essentially like me versus finite math. Uh, we're going to take it three different times before we get it right. It is time now for our scout stories. The Carolina Panthers have made a change on their bye week. 28 games into his tenure as the Panthers' offensive coordinator, Carolina head coach Matt Rule has made a change, relieving Joe Brady of his duties as offensive coordinator and promoting Jeff Nixon, the senior offensive assistant, to the interim OC. It sure feels like Brady's fall in Carolina coming almost as quickly as his rise with the 2019 national champion LSU Tigers. The numbers clearly do not paint a pretty picture for what the Carolina Panthers offense has done this year, especially outside of those first three games of the season. Feels like a while ago they were 3-0, and right? Uh, and so, TJ, what went wrong here? Well, look, it was a fast rise yeah. uh, for Joe Brady, and I think you can place some of the blame on his shoulders. You talk to teams that have played against them. Uh, they've said, look, I don't know how much of an offense they actually have versus them just repeating plays that have given us trouble in the previous three weeks. They said a lot of times we get beat on runs 
uh, in a week or two before we play them. We'll see those runs when we play against the Panthers. Well, in college, they get away with that stuff. In the NFL, there's so much, there's so many resources. You're self-scouting. You make the corrections. You're not going to get beat on the same things twice. So I think that's some legitimate blame there. But I would also point the situation that he was in with the quarterbacks that they had and how poorly that they played and the injuries to Christian McCaffrey, Buck. I don't know how much of a chance anybody really would have had with the personnel they have in place right now. Well, absolutely. It's always about the players. It's always about the Jimmys and Joes more so than the X's and O's. But I think there was some frustration from a schematic standpoint about this team not being committed to running the football. Mm -hmm. Matt Rule alluded to the running game and how they need to run it and run it and run it over and over and over again. And so maybe he is just seeking someone who knows the running game well. When you think about Jeff Mixon, he's a former running backs coach. He was his co-offensive coordinator at Baylor trying to get some of that going. Whoever's the running back, whether it's Christian McCaffrey who's now out for the season or any of the backs that were behind him, they have to run the football so they can control it. I would think you would see a more creative running game from the Carolina Panthers. Now, I also say going into next year, I don't know that the quarterback's on the roster right now. Well, that's that's a big issue. The challenge is they're committed to Sam financially picking yes. up that fifth-year option. So whoever that quarter that coordinator is going to be next year is going to get an opportunity to see if they can fix Sam Darnold. I would like to see Sam Darnold with a healthy Christian McCaffrey for a stretch run here. Yeah, I know. I look. I, everybody has bailed on Sam, and he has not played well. I think he's going to get another crack at it though, because I don't know where they go, considering they're already pot committed with him. The, the question that I have is like, you guys would consider, you guys would would basically say that the centerpiece of the Panthers' offense is Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. right? And so with the amount of games that he's missed during mm-hmm. Joe Brady's tenure at off, as offensive coordinator, it's kind of tough, right? I mean, yeah, if you're going to miss the focal piece of your offense for as many games as, as McCaffrey's been down, majority of last season, much of this season, uh, you know, that's kind of a tough deal. So now, Bucky, as you look near term – what can the Panthers do to try to right the situation here? Because they're not totally out of the playoff picture. No, they're not totally out of the playoff picture. I think they have to play the shell game. I think this has to be all hands on deck. You do whatever you can do to manufacture a run game. Obviously, you talk about Cam on a one-year deal. I think this is an opportunity for them to do whatever they can do with Cam Newton. And even though he's an older quarterback, they kind of have to let him play the way that he has always played because I think that's the only way you can get the best out of him. But Chuba Hubbard has to be a factor, and they still have to find a way to get the other guys involved ball. Robbie Anderson on the outside, DJ Moore. They have to find a way to allow these guys to have the ball in their hands. And so maybe you see some of the stuff that we've seen other teams do. We saw the Donners use jet sweeps and fly sweeps and those things. You got to find a way to put it in your playmakers and see if they can make plays. One thing I just want to add, though, Joe Brady is very young. Joe Brady is going to have a long career in the coaching profession. He's going to get another crack at it. Um, I don't want people thinking this is all 100% on him. Mm. He'll get another opportunity when he's ready. Brian Kelly might need an offensive coordinator down at LSU. Um, Always go home. That Joe Brady has been, for sure. Uh, Look, the fact that you brought up about the quarterbacks, I think, is really interesting here because where do you lie the blame? Scheme? quarterback both and then how does Matt Rule rectify that for the future here well I think the biggest thing is the quarterback situation I I would much rather take my chances with a great quarterback with an average play caller than a great play caller with an average quarterback so you know I I don't think there's anything they can do if you talk about what do they do from now going forward there's no no quarterback tree we can go grab one and upgrade what you currently have this is this is a situation they've got to try and find a way to make do as you were saying but I just I don't like their chances is what I'm getting well and it paints an interesting picture for their draft priorities here uh coming up next season for the Carolina Panthers which of course uh we will continue to follow as we get closer to the spring one of the things we love about move the sticks of course our rookie 
uh, evaluations, and we're getting into that time. It's like the, you know, people say the holiday season is the greatest time, uh, you know, the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> no, 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 it's now because the playoff and the draft all kind of coming into focus uh, for teams, and we're kind of starting to see the fruits of some of the team's labors from last year's draft. Who stood out to you? Well, well, I'll tell you what, I've had probably four or five conversations with different personnel guys and even an NFL head coach about Micah Parsons over the last week, and they've brought it up unsolicited and just said what this kid is doing and how impressive he is. It's off the charts, and, and we're trying to find comparisons because that's what you do in personnel. Mm -hmm. Who does he remind you of? And when you start going back and you start having conversations about Junior Seau as a young Junior Seau, somebody who could rush off the wow. edge or play off the ball, wow. um, he's just – he is a – you know, we use the unicorn phrase, Buck. Yes, that, yeah, that with Kyle Pitts. Yeah. He, guy's a unicorn, man. He is an unbelievable player. He's had a big impact on their defense, and not just the athleticism and the playmaking ability, but just the energy and effort. Look, Lawrence Taylor's the only guy that we've known – Defensive Rookie of the Year MVP. I'm sorry, Michael who? Parsons. <clears throat> Michael Parsons could be in that conversation based on what he's doing. Keep an eye also, Ricky, Jalen Waddle from Miami. He's beginning to pick it up and come on like gangbusters. He is doing a great job of kind of selling in as that number one receiver for them. It's not about the yards per catch, but how they're getting it done. He is certainly making an impact. I, see, we're really seeing that whole rookie class oh, from Miami. He did have a great game today. Yeah, the wide receivers, too, have been really good. Shit. So, uh, guys, I want to go back to the uh, Sunday night game, the Broncos and the Chiefs. And Broncos rookie class is really making oh, yeah. an impact. Baron Browning, uh, Jonathan Cooper is a seventh-round pick on defense. Uh, your guy, Caden Stearns, uh, is making some yeah. plays outside of that punt return situation last night. We won't get into that. Uh, but my wife was at the game. She yeah. was in Kansas City for the game, and she was Came like, man, the Broncos offense is so boring. But you know what? It's been a lot of fun to sit and concentrate and focus on Pat Sertan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he is rocking and rolling. Another pick here nice for the scouting rookie Nice that's scouting, Kana. See, that's what I'm talking about. Love it. Uh, and we love you guys tuning in each and every Monday here on Move the Sticks. Thanks for being with us. Two more episodes coming up later this week with DJ and Bucky. We'll see you back here next Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.